and the refreshment of the water and you can you know you can walk in feeling tired and dog-eared and you come out feeling like a new person and you put your clean clothes on I think that's absolutely wonderful mm. you can tell I'm a woman who's a cheap date and I like the really simple pleasures in life <laughs> Power to Live More with Joe Dodds Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast all about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Jo Dodds and I started this show back in 2016 to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more. And by that, I mean how they focus on productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience to enable them to do more of the stuff that they want to do and less of the stuff that they don't. After 241 shows, I've taken a pause from doing new interviews to reshare previous interviews. They were too good to not revisit. So please do bear in mind that this podcast might refer to events from the past as current or in the future. But rest assured that the stories, tips and advice shared by my guests continues to be pure gold. Hello, my name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter and today Joe is interviewing Liz Copeland of Liz Copeland Coaching. Like our guest last week, Liz is another of Paula Gardner from show number two's recommendation. We love being introduced to interesting people to interview, so please do let us know if you know anyone who would make a great guest. Liz is an executive coach and helps high-achieving professionals who are puzzled, disappointed, or who want to go in a new direction. Her clients are board-level directors, partners, and senior executives. She's a transformational coach known for her Empty Achiever Syndrome program, working with professionals who are on the surface, have all the trimming and traps of success, but still feel empty inside and want more fulfilment in their lives. Back to the studio. Today I'm interviewing Liz Copeland from Liz Copeland Coaching. Hi Liz, great to have you with me. Hi. So start by telling us a bit about you, what you do and where you do it. I am a coach. I coach directors, partners and senior executives. And I'm based in Surrey, but I work in London and the Southeast area. So I spend about two days a week in London and the rest of the time I work from home. And what does a, a typical day look like when you're uh, in London? Oh, a London day, it's very much dictated by the meetings I would have there. So it's very much a sort of commuter day. You know, you get up early, put your London on, go into London, and meet wherever I'm meeting people. The day really starts the day before because I like to make sure I know what clothes I'm going to be wearing the next day and I've got all the paperwork I need. I hate scrabbling around on the day that I'm doing something to work out where I'm going or where I'm meeting. Mm-hmm. So I'm very organised. I was saying to a taxi driver the other day that I got organised the night before with my paperwork and my bag packed and everything, and it put me off completely because I was sure I'd left something behind because <laughs> I, I normally grab it as I leave the leave the house in the morning. And um, uh, <laughs> and so when I you're... Forget something. <laughs> So when you're working from home, do you have a particular an office or a particular space in the house that you use? 
I have a room which is a dedicated office and it's quite funny because I have dogs. I mean, they're, they're snoring beside me even as we speak. Um, so they have chairs in the office where they can recline and I get up and I have breakfast and sort myself out and I sort the dogs out. They have their breakfast, they have their bathroom break and then they'll both trot into the office and go on their chairs because they know that's the routine for the day. It's quite cute, really. <laughs> that's brilliant. I have to lock my cats out of my office because they just sit on my desk and put me off. <laughs> that's great. So tell me a bit about the morning routine. Have you got a certain way of sort of setting yourself up for the day? Well, I kind of have. It's sort of evolved. Um, once I get down into my office, the first thing I'll do is go through any urgent emails and process those. But quite often, I will already have looked at those emails first thing in the morning when I wake up. And I check my phone, and I run through Twitter and LinkedIn, and I run through the emails. So I find that useful to sort of prime my brain so that when I get into the office, it isn't a shock for what I have to do. I've already thought about it a little bit. Um, and then the first thing I will do is go through the routine email stuff, try not to spend too long on that, but it's nice to get certain urgent things out of the way so you're not thinking about them when you're trying to do other work. That's really I interesting. Have... Can I just interrupt there? It's interesting because a lot of yeah. people talk about not checking emails in the morning, and I personally do for sounds like very similar reasons to you. Mm. Uh, is that mm. something that you've tried and tested o over the years? Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't have a strength of character to ignore them, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> a big confession. Um, so dealing with them very first thing in the morning when I wake up and I look at them and think, oh, there's nothing urgent there, I can just get straight on with my work today. Or thinking, oh, yes, I've got to do a reply to that, let's get on with that. I, I just find that something that works for me. I do restrict the time I spend on it so that I'm not spending a lot of time processing routine emails that don't need to be dealt with immediately. Hmm. So I interrupted you when you were going to talk about how things progress from there. So so you've done, done your initial emails, your sort of urgent things. What, what, what happens then? Yeah, sometimes I've got a big project going on, like at the moment I'm writing an article for a journal. So that's going to take up huge chunks of the day. But if I haven't got that sort of thing on my schedule, I will work to a timetable. So you know when you're at school and you've got your exercise books, and at the front of some of the exercise books there'd be a timetable where you could fill in what you were doing that week. Well, I kind of have that for my office business because I've got the kind of brain where I easily get sidetracked. And I can get... I, my brain goes one of two ways. Either I can't start things because it seems like too big or too difficult a task so I'll put off doing them, or I get into a task and then I can't stop it because I get so involved in it. So by timetabling, I know that if I'm going to spend an hour doing social media or an hour doing web admin or something of that nature, I can timetable it in, set aside the time for it, but it doesn't take over my whole day. Mm, mm, that sounds really interesting. And what about at the end of that hour? That's one of the things I struggle with when I'm sort of time blocking. It's if I get a bit, like you say, involved in something and the end of that time comes up. How, how do you deal with that? I'll sometimes allow myself an extra half hour, but that means that things later on the timetable will slip a bit, but then there might be some space in those things anyway, so we can do that. Um, but I try not to have something 
take up the whole day because what I find happens then is that all the other things I have to do I kind of forget about them and then you go several days and you haven't done certain things and you really have to keep on top of them. Mm. So alongside the, uh, the the sort of schedule how do you manage your to-do list? Do you Do you have a particular app or tool that you use or a particular way of managing that list of things that you need to do? I'm a real pencil and paper person and <laughs> sometimes I print out my, this is going to sound so sad, I print out my Outlook calendar for the month and I write on it. <laughs> Not pathetic. I will then put it into the calendar on the computer but I've, I work better with pencil and paper and I work on what needs to be done by the end of the month. Um, what needs to be done over the next two weeks because two weeks is a useful time zone simply because the stuff that's in the second week is far enough away that you're not scared of it yet so that's sort of psychologically quite useful um, and then what needs to be done this week and then what needs to be done today and obviously I tend to write things in pencil because they're changing all the time that again works for me and I'm revising things and it's an ongoing process so I think I've at long last recognized that the things I do, the things I put in my schedule are not etched in tablets of stone, they are changeable and that's okay. It's interesting the, the more people I interview on the podcast the more I have people saying similar to you that they use pen and paper for a lot of this stuff which is really interesting in this sort of age of technology I was expecting it to be a lot more in the way of computers and and apps and and so on but uh, I'd say so far out of about 10 interviews the majority has been very much about pen and paper which is really interesting mm. so what about at the end of the day? It sounds like quite a structured work day. Do you have a sort of certain cutoff for the evening or, or do you have a, a routine that sort of takes you into the evening and then into being able to, to sleep and, and not be sort of uh, frenetic and, and checking emails late on and that sort of thing? Uh, right. There's a lot of questions in there. So my evening routine is... It sounds as if my whole life is dominated by dogs. It isn't, I promise you. <laughs> but it's around 6 o'clock I get fed, and then they go for a walk. So we all go out for a walk. That will change as we get into winter. I will have to walk them earlier on in the day. So it'll be walk and then doggy supper. And then when I get back from that, I usually have another, say, 40, 45 minutes of working. And what I find happens is that when I'm on the dog walk, because that's so relaxing and I'm out in the countryside, very lucky where I live, we've got a common at the end of the road. So it kind of rejuvenates you and it's a very reflective time where you can think about what you've been doing during the day. And quite often that generates a lot of ideas. So at the very least, I want to come home and write all those ideas down. And that gets processed. And also that's the time when I'll think about what I'm doing the next day and do I need to prepare anything for that. Mm -hmm. And then at about 8 o'clock we'll start preparing supper. Pretty much after that I, I might look at emails but it's more for social purposes than work purposes. And I don't really do work stuff late at night. Um, other than I do find that whenever you can truly relax, and unwind, 
that's when the most creative ideas occur. So I think you do need to create space in your day where you're doing nothing in particular and you need time just to sit and think. And if people think that you're sitting there doing nothing, well, that's their problem because actually you can be doing a lot of processing, a lot of thoughtfulness, a lot of creative stuff won't be apparent to the outside world. But you've got to create the time in your life to do that. Mm-hmm. So on those days when you're not in the office at home and you're you're in London, how do you sort of manage that, that difference? Because so, sometimes you can end up, certainly if you have a few days where you're out and about, the, the routine goes, doesn't it? So how, how do you keep on top of what you're doing and, and make sure that, that it doesn't, in the end, go? Well, I try to set up things like the social media posting so that they will happen anyway. Um, I mean, I, I use Buffer, for example, to do social media posts. Um, I have an assistant who will do some of that posting for me. So that can happen whether I'm around or not. Um, one thing I do do when I have a London day, London is very exhausting. I mean, on one level, it's energizing. It's great to be there. and I love it as a city. But the next day, I find I'm quite tired. And so I allow extra time in my schedule to do nothing in particular. So if I want to spend an hour sitting and doing nothing, I can do that. And again, by blocking off the time, I can say to myself, I'm going to spend the whole of the next hour doing nothing and not feel guilty about it because I know that when that hour is up, I will be going into work and be working at it 100%. And the thing about coaching as well is it's extremely exhausting. Because when you're coaching someone, you're giving them 100% of your attention. Your total focus is on that person. And, you know, people who have office jobs, they've got no idea what it's like. They spend half the time lolling around the coffee machine and having conversations and zipping through Facebook in a half-hearted manner and wasting their time doing this and that. And... When you're working on your own and you're really focusing on what you're doing, it takes quite large reserves of energy, I think, which we shouldn't underestimate. It's not difficult work. I mean, it's not like working at a coal face, but it does demand energy and focus, and you need to build into your timetable space where you can rejuvenate from that. Mm-hmm. So what sort of things do you do other than uh, having that as you say, that sort of sitting time where you haven't got anything scheduled in, how, how else do you build in that rejuvenating time? Uh, well, the dog walking is excellent because you're out in nature, you know, admiring the landscape. There is something very, um, I don't know the word, recuperative, very healing about being out in nature, um, at least in this country because we have a fairly benign climate. <laughs> nothing too dire is going to happen, so that's good. Um, I love going to spas and having spa breaks and being pampered. And I just adore the smell of spas. You know, when you go into the room and you're going to be massaged and you can smell all those essential oils. That's wonderful. I really like that. Uh, I also, bizarre this, I just realized this today. I really love having a hot shower. Mine's the hot bath. I know exactly what you mean, though. <laughs> Yeah, Especially in the day. Yeah, bath make me too tired, but having a hot shower, there's something, again, there's something therapeutic about being cleansed, about the cleansing aspect of it, 
and the refreshment of the water and you can you know you can walk in feeling tired and dog-eared and you come out feeling like a new person and put your clean clothes on I think that's absolutely wonderful mm. you can tell I'm a woman who's a cheap date I like the really <laughs> simple pleasures in life <laughs> I think the thing about the the shower or bath in my case uh, for me is the the um the fact that sometimes it's in the middle of the day when if I was in office yeah. in the office I wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so what about um keeping healthy? Um you've talked a bit about exercise and and the fresh air and uh, some other sort of more perhaps mindfulness uh, side of things. What about diet nutrition that sort of thing? Uh, diet's an interesting one. My son lives at home and he has an inflammatory bowel disease, so we have to be really careful about what he eats. But the funny thing is, since he got that, we've cooked meals together. And we've had to give him a much more varied diet than he had before and avoid certain foods. So I said to him, I'm prepared to do that, but I, I don't particularly enjoy cooking, so this is something we're going to do together. So here's an onion, you chop it. Uh, you know, first time I did that, he looked horrified, but he did it, and now he's a dab hand at being an onion chopper. Um, so that does give us quite a varied diet. That's very useful. And as far as exercise is concerned, I do go to the gym once a week, and I walk the dogs every day. That's pretty much it, really. When I'm in London, I'm, I've decided I will only ever do one leg of a tube journey. So if it's two stops and I then have to change, I will come up overground after the two stops and I will walk the rest of the way. Because when you look at the underground map, it looks like things are really far apart when sometimes they're really close together. Mm. And you work out of that it's it's quicker walking if you go overground sometimes. Yeah. Um, so I wear flat shoes when I'm in London so I can walk quickly and that's part of my exercise program. I love that. Uh, sleep. <laughs> I can I can nap at any time. <laughs> I'm a great napper. Um, not particularly good at sleeping at night. And I've always been a bad sleeper at night. I wouldn't say it's work related. I don't sit there worrying about things. I just think. I think a lot. And as long as it's sort of oh that's an interesting thing. Think. I don't worry about it. If it were an anxious thing, then I think I, I would get concerned about it. Mm. Do you have a, pre a sort of routine to, to before you go to bed to try and sort of calm down to be able to sleep? Oh, I think I've tried them all. Um, <laughs> I do. I used to listen to the World Service, which because if you keep Radio Four on at night, it turns into the World Service at some point, so mm -hmm. that's quite useful. But then because I've got a a phone where I can get iPlayer. You can listen to all sorts of stuff at night. My favourite trick is to put a 45-minute play on, and I rarely get beyond the first 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, and the other thing I do is listen to Audible books, and I, I usually only listen to them either last thing at night or when I'm doing the ironing. And it's quite a good way to use ironing time to get an Audible book inside you. And Audible's funny, it gives you little badges for things. So quite often I've got the night owl badge because I've listened to something all night. And what's happened is I've set the book going and then of course I've fallen asleep but the book keeps churning out. So it's been talking to me all night. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you could learn stuff 
subliminally in your sleep. I'd be the most knowledgeable person on the planet. Maybe we do. Sleep. Maybe you are. We maybe just we don't. Maybe we don't know that yet. <laughs> 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 so, aside from uh, learning through the night <laughs> with your Audible mm -hmm. books, what what sort of things do you do to to learn and improve yourself and develop yourself, either professionally or personally? I read a lot of books about coaching and I also listen to things like the TED Talks and on the radio they have the TED Radio Hour Yes, which is, is really good because you've got a whole bundle of speakers in one hour they'll take a particular topic, say motivation and they will collect extracts from TED Talks and put them into that hour's presentation so that's very interesting and what I like about that sort of thing is nowadays there's a lot of research being done in psychology so you know a lot of the common sense stuff that your granny told you is true some of it isn't but it's nice to have solid psychological research that proves that whereas I think previously you know psychology has been a slightly woo-woo subject and, and we didn't know if the claims were true or not but there's some good research that's coming out now um, and you get that in the TED Talks Mm. Yeah, it's just amazing the the sort of breadth of information that that are there, and and they have a lot of uh, playlists on YouTube uh, for TED, don't they? Where, uh, for example, I looked at the the children's playlist uh, with little Dodsey, and we had a look at some of the ones that were particularly appropriate for children. Um, but I, I also listened to the TED Hour. I think that's great, as you say, a, a good way of, in some ways, getting introduced to some of the TED talks to go and listen to the full length versions as well. So, yes, yes, I would agree with that. so what about other um, things like books, films, music, perhaps that you might recommend for inspiration or learning or enjoyment, <laughs> or both, <laughs> or all three? Crumbs. I've got a whole bookshelf full of books next to me, and my eyes are glazing over me. <laughs> what shall I tell them? <laughs> I really don't know. Um, Any particular coaching books? You mentioned you read books about coaching. Yeah, I mean, Michael Neal's very good. I've got his Super Coach book that mm -hmm. I just read recently. Um, there was some, a lot of the work I do is around communication, and I'm just going to stand up and get a book off the bookshelf. Just bear with me. Yeah. I think we might hear a crash in the moment as that suffering <laughs> time books falls down, but anyway. There's a book I was reading about communication it's called thanks for the feedback and it's the science and art of receiving feedback well subtitled even when it is off base unfair poorly delivered and clear not in the mood we're lovely because a lot of the problems we have with other people are around miscommunications it's when we say one thing and they interpret that we mean a totally different thing mm. and we think that they're being difficult or they don't understand us well we're right they don't understand us but it kind of goes into the various kinds of conversations you can have and the feedback you can give and it's very useful if you've ever been on the receiving end of horrible feedback or if you've been good and it wasn't received properly then uh, I think that's an interesting book to read. 
So that thing, isn't it, about if somebody says, can I give you some feedback? <laughs> you know, you know it's not going to be good. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. You know they're going to criticise you. Can I, just, can I just say something? You know, that's another one, isn't it? Yes, yes, yeah. Excellent. So a good book there um, to recommend. You talked about... Um, uh, using Buffer, for example, in your social media. Is, are there any other tools or apps that, that you use regularly within your business that uh, you, you'd like to share? Well, I think one of the major things I use in my business, I don't know whether it's classified as a tool or an app, but it's the timer on my mobile phone. Right. And the reason for that is if I have a job to do that I'm just putting off doing and I don't want to start it, I will set the timer for 10 minutes because even I can stand 10 minutes of almost anything other than <laughs> unrelenting pain, you know, that, that would floor me. But other than that, I can do 10 minutes of something. Yep. So, and quite often with these things, the difficulty is just getting started. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, right, I, if I just do 10 minutes today, that's all I have to do, but I have to get started on that. And the other way I use the timer is when I'm doing a task that I know I'm going to get really deeply into, and I may never emerge from it, I will set a timer for, say, two hours or three hours, and at the end of that time, I will stop and do something else. Because mm. um, apart from anything else, if I sit at the computer and don't move for three hours, you actually would have to uncreak my joints when I start <laughs> moving around again. Um, and, you know, there are other things that I have to do with my day. So mm. The time works for both of those sorts of tasks. Yes, yeah, that's a good one, and and so simple, and and therefore most people, even if they don't have a phone, they can probably find a timer somewhere in the yeah, kitchen. Use timer. <laughs> use yeah, use a timer. You know, those those hourglass things that have a sand in them. It doesn't really matter what you use. No, we use them with uh, little Dodsey for her homework because she procrastinates like anything on her homework. So I tell her she just has to do ten minutes and. Uh, she can time it on her phone and then stop at the end of it. And uh, that seems to work most of the time. <laughs> Little Dodsey, what a moniker. I know. She's, she's, she's almost big Dodsey now, so we'll have to stop it soon. She said I could go on till the end of uh, primary school. So we've got another year and, and a bit. But uh, she's, uh, yes, yeah, so I do call her Ellie a few times now. She's not so so much uh, Little Dodsey. So, um. What about uh, if things don't go right? So uh, all the, the sort of organisation and the apps and the planning and the, the schedule and everything. What about on a day where it all goes a bit skew-whiff? How do you deal with that? Oh, well, sometimes I weep and rant and cry. Um, <laughs> do you have a capability of getting really cross with inanimate objects? It's just so silly. You know, when, you, when the filing cabinet drawer won't open properly and you kick it that sort of thing <laughs> yeah and there's one bit of my brain going that feels really satisfying and there's another bit of my brain going it is really stupid to get cross with an inanimate object <laughs> so, but, that, but that tends to be with stuff I don't do that with people um, I don't often rant I do sulk occasionally so you get all my vices coming out here but ultimately, I think that if things are going wrong, sometimes I just need to take time out and have a think about things. And when I've done that, I will say to myself, there's nothing personal in it. The universe isn't against me. Because 
99% of the time, unless you're dealing with a psychopath, there won't be anything personal in it. And the universe isn't set against me. It's just stuff happens. Stuff happens that you can't control and other people can, can't control and things go wrong. Um, the odd thing is, if things are going wrong and other people are involved, I'm very good at remaining calm and collected and just getting on with it. So that I can sort of, you know, I'd be like a swan looking serene on the surface and paddling furiously underneath. <laughs> um, and then I go home and have a rant and rave and say, do you know what they said? Do you know what happened? So, but yeah. you know, that's life, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And I guess it's just setting the reset the next morning and carrying on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I think something somebody said to me years ago, which I think is so true. Uh, they said, will you even care about this in 10 years time? And I said, I won't even remember this in 10 years' time. And if, if you, get a t you get a time perspective on it and you project yourself forward in time, you know, how will I feel about this at the end of the week? I might still be a bit cross at the end of the day, but at the end of the week I'm not going to be. Mm. So, you know, why not just go into that state now and cut out the middleman? Yes, yeah, that's a really good piece of advice, definitely. So... On a day when you end the day knowing that you've had the chance to live more, and by that I mean do the stuff that you want to do, not the stuff that you need to do or you feel you should do, what mm. what have you done? What's that day look like? Probably learned a bit more about myself um, through reflection and reading and coaching. I mean, when you coach other people, you find out a huge amount about yourself as well. So that's an ongoing process, uh, sort of life's journey. And the thing that really fires me up is making connections with other people. So if I've had a really in-depth conversation with someone, which of course is why I do coaching, because that's what I really enjoy, the in-depth conversations. And the really nice thing about coaching is you get to ask people questions and they don't mind. <laughs> so, you know, I'll say to my successful businessman, what do you want more of? And they always say, uh, more success, more money. And I'll say, yes, but would you really want more of? Because as a coach, I can do that. Yes. And of course, it, it's not more success, more money. It's normally, um, it's either they want something new in their lives, they want to um, do something different, or they want to make a difference in other people's lives or in the world. And if you want to start something new or make a difference in the world that's really exciting and empowering so i love it when i have those conversations with people hmm. and interesting that you sometimes have to sort of push that by asking more questions that people don't come out with that at the beginning even if that is at the heart of what what they're doing they say what they think they're expected to say yes yeah excellent so, so that's your living more day. Anything else that, that you would have done that we having fun and being amused <laughs> by life, just laughing at things. Mm hmm Does that happen a lot in coaching? <laughs> oh, you'd be surprised actually. <laughs> <laughs> I have a oh, strange capacity. I don't know whether this is going to be a selling point, but um sometimes I make my clients cry, or at least I don't make them cry, but they cry in the coaching session. 
But that's kind of a good thing because it's a release of emotion which they need. So I don't see that as negative. I just hand them a box of tissues and kind of let them get on with it because that's what they need to do at that time. But the other thing is I make them laugh. And I make them laugh about things that might have been upsetting them greatly. You know, we turn it into a joke. Mm -hmm. so, um, uh, my son has a very dry sense of humour and we have some very funny conversations together where things get more and more ridiculous. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, we've come to the end of our interview. It's gone really quickly. I don't think I said, said that at the beginning. It tends to fly by. Um, I really appreciate you sharing all the tips and ideas and and uh, strategies and uh, and particularly your schedule. I remember my school schedule. I really like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to start doing one of those. <laughs> I don't think we'll stick to it, but if I'm puzzled about what I should have a priority on, I'll say, oh, go back to the timetable. I'll just do whatever it says on there for Tuesday afternoon or whatever. Yes, that's great. Thank you. So how can people find out more about you, Liz, and connect with you? Go to my website, which is lucopeland.co.uk. Um, and it's as simple as that. And on there, I have a, you can sign up for a change checklist if you think you're ready for a change in your life. And I also have a 30-day change plan that you can sign up for, and they are both um, free things that you can collect from the website and have a look at the articles there's quite a bit of information in there brilliant thank you so much great thank you for having me attention home-based coaches and consultants are you tired of feeling alone isolated and frustrated with running a home-based coaching or consulting business are you sick of feeling like your life would be better and you'd be happier if you felt more organised and productive? Do you feel like there's simply not enough time in a day to get all the things done that you need to do to build a successful business while making time to live more? It's time to stop the isolation and start getting more organised, productive and focused on the skills that will move the needle forward. It's time to join the Power to Live More Calm membership. If you're ready to, Stop creating the wheel and focus on the things that truly matter in your life and business. Learn what you need to know to be successful and live more. Get accountability help from a group of like-minded home-based business owners. To learn more about the Power to Live More Calm membership program and apply, visit powertolivemore.com slash get calm. Use your power to live more.